Everyone okay? Oh, it's on. <laughs> Pro probably should. Oh, get me a new battery. Yeah. Imagine if that's how life works. Like, you just need a new battery and you're good to go. Oh, if only. <laughs> um, yeah, so as, as we uh, mentioned earlier, today we're talking about getting, getting uncomfortable uh, with God. And um, I've, I've had my sh fair share of uncomfortableness. Um, I went to Avondale. I have no family over East. So to, first of all, go to university, because nobody in my family had really gone to university, was a big deal. But then to do it on the other side of the country, away from the mall, was, was a massive deal. We got to the, um, the roundabout at Perth Airport, and it took everything in me not to go, turn around, I just wanted to see if I could get in. <laughs> I'll go back to Notre Dame, I'll suck up to them, because that's where I was actually originally enrolled for teaching. I was going to be a teacher. Specifically, I wanted to teach kids who couldn't be in the classroom because they were full of, um, like they just, just, just while you do that, okay. Uh, because they just couldn't be in a classroom because they had too high of special needs. Um, that's what I wanted to do. I got my certificate three in disability work, and then I enrolled into teaching, and that's, that's where I saw my life going. And then God had other plans, and I uh, cleaned my room and slipped on all the Avondale brochures that I'd accumulated over the years to troll my career counsellors because I went to a Lutheran school. Am I good? Do I still need to use this? Oh, okay. Yep. You tell me when. Um, so anyway, I um, slipped on all of them and it opened up to like the admissions form. And I was like, oh, I wonder if I could get in. So I gave it a go and then I stuffed up the form because I'm not very good at filling out forms, which made my time at Centrelink very awkward. And... Um, so I filled it out, stuffed it up, went online and did it. Oh, I'm on, can I put, get rid of, oh, I can. Um, and then I uh, applied online and two days later I got in for teaching. And then I was like, oh, this just doesn't feel right. I feel like God's calling me to theology. That one took a bit longer because my pastor needed to give a reference. And um, it took a bit of a while to, to get him to hand it in. Like, he's like, yeah, 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 I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. And it was like typical pastorness, I guess. Um, so... <laughs> Uh, and then I got in for that for semester two and off to Avondale I went uh, for semester one 2012 because I needed to defer for a semester and it was a lot of flying going to and from Avondale and in 2017 I don't know if I've told this story before but it's it's one of the most uncomfortable positions I've ever been in on a plane but I was in an aisle seat in the middle section and I was like so excited because next to me were three empty seats. And I was like, yes, this is the height of luxury economy with three empty seats. And then in front of me came a couple with a one-year-old and a three-year-old. And they sat down in front of me and I was like, no. <laughs> and then a single mom came along with her between three and six-month-old. And I was like, oh, this is going to be interesting. But I was like, you know what, I'm fine because I'm a... I fly a lot, so I bought one of those like adapters you put in the seat so you can use your own headphones. And I was like, yeah, this is so much better than the airport ones. I'll block out all the noise. Let's see what movies there are. Um, because I'm more comfortable with flying. When I first started flying, I was like, where's the safety demonstration? I need to pay attention. I've seen enough air crash investigations. But now I'm just like, eh. Um, <laughs> I think I finished Greek as well. So I was like, I've got my whole life ahead of me. Um, and so I sat there and turned on my movie. I was watching Beauty and the Beast, I remember. And then the baby behind me started crying like just after the safety demonstration. So we hadn't even taken off yet and this baby had already started crying. And I was like, oh, it's only going to get worse because there's takeoff and there's the change in pressure in that poor baby. 
But I was like, no, 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 it's fine, I'll just turn it up. Uh, this baby then was like right behind me, so it was like in stereo, and it was just screaming, and it screamed. And after about an hour, an hour of this, <laughs> this voice came in my head and said, turn around and ask her if you can hold her baby. And I was like, are you insane? <laughs> uh, strange danger for one. Now, I'm pretty good with babies, I won't brag. Um, I'm pretty good with babies. But generally, I like to build a relationship with the parent before I go, can I hold your baby? Uh, this woman was like a complete stranger. And so I was like, you're insane. I'm assuming this is the Holy Spirit telling me this because my brain wouldn't come up with something so insane. And I was like, no. So I just turned the volume up on my movie until it reached maximum volume and I could still hear it. <laughs> Half an hour later, this voice goes, turn around and ask if you can hold the baby. And I was like, I'm going to offend this woman. Like, I'm a complete stranger. Her baby's crying. She's getting frustrated. And the stranger goes, hey, I don't think you're doing a good enough job settling your baby. Let me, a complete stranger, do it. Like, I was like, no, she'll get so offended. Also, she'll probably think I'm trying to kidnap her baby. And then the voice reasoned, you're in a plane. Where are you going to go? You can't exactly open the door. Um, so anyway, I was like, fine, can't wait to prove you wrong. <laughs> Turned around and went, it's going to sound crazy, but can I hold your baby? And she's like... <laughs> and immediately hands it to me. I take the baby off her, and the baby immediately stops crying. And because I was, like, standing up between our rows, it looked kind of around, because I was shocked, and everyone was just like, thank you, thank you. <laughs> then the woman says, and this is what made me feel really guilty, she's like, do you mind if I go to the bathroom? I've been needing to go to the bathroom for the past half an hour. Basically, when I first got that voice in my head saying, hold her child, and I was like, yeah, sure, go. <laughs> it's fine, I'll be here with your baby. Now, whenever I receive anything that is of baby weight, I will start rocking it. This is not exclusive to babies. There have been some weird shopping experiences where I've been holding bags of flour, I did my first aid course over East, and we had to do like baby CPR and hold it and do the CPR. Uh, they told me there was no need to rock it to sleep. Um, they're like, we actually wanted to wake. <laughs> um, but it was so uncomfortable, like fighting with God and saying, no, I don't want to do that. Don't make me do it. Somebody else can do it. That's always the thing. Somebody else can do it. Don't get me out of my comfort zone. I'm comfortable. And something so small, but yet to her, it was incredible. Because I managed to put the baby to sleep, gave it back to her. She was very confused until she saw the baby was asleep, laid it down because she also had three seats to herself. We then figured out why the baby was really upset. It was quite sick because it vomited for the last half an hour of the plane, right? <laughs> it did not smell good. But it was interesting because when I handed her the baby back, that's when conversations struck up. She's like, oh, are you coming to Perth for a holiday? And I was like, nobody comes to Perth for a holiday. It's like nothing to do here. <laughs> Look, West is best. West is best. I will say that. But you're not going to come out here for thrills and spills. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're going to come here to relax. Um, joy the views. Hi, say hi to the whales and the quokkas. Take some quokka selfies, then you're on a plane back, you know? You don't come here for the, the thrills. You go to Gold Coast for that. Um, this is home. This is comfort, which is negating my whole sermon. But anyway, my point is, she says, uh, what, what are you in Perth for? And I said, oh, I, I live, like, my family's over here. I've just finished at uh, uni for the year. And she goes, oh, what are you studying? And I was like, oh, 
ministry and theology. And she goes, what's that? Because that's what everybody asks. And I was like, oh, it's, I'm studying to be a pastor. And, and we sort of got on the topic of religion and of God and we started talking. Um, and it was incredible because that never would have happened if I never got out of my comfort zone. Sometimes God will lead you somewhere or an opportunity will come up and we ask God if it's him, all the while crossing our fingers, plugging our ears and going, please say no, please say no, please say no, please say no. I don't want it. And the idea of it is so scary because we are comfortable. So we have a whole range of excuses not to go, that we're ready to go to battle with God over it. We're ready to be like, I'm armed with my excuses. Here they are, God, checkmate. And then God's like, nah, man, I'm with you. God's trying to get us to be quiet long enough for him to tell us why he's called us. It's the classic, because I said so. Last time I was here, I was still working at Centrelink in the call centre. Great news, guys. Got a new job. Brad's my boss. (laughs) It's interesting because... um, Never saw myself uh, doing this. Thanks, Brad. Um, I am the new bo- a, a new boarding parent at Carmel. And uh, it's, it's a fun gig. <laughs> You're always out of your comfort zone. And um, it was interesting because that's not where I saw myself going. And I had a whole list of excuses as to why I shouldn't. And that was, that was good enough because I had a list of excuses why I shouldn't in December when they first started advertising and I saw advertisements around in the gym at our Pathfinder sleepover. And then my friend Jason, who's now a pastor in Canberra, he was the other boarding parent. And we used to work together for about eight years. And he goes, hey, you should be a boarding parent at Carmel. I think you'll be really good. And I was like, I think you have been over here for too long. And you're crazy. And I was like, it's not really going to work out because I had all these ideas of what it was going to be, like the the setup of it, like how much you get paid and all of that. And I was like, that's not really going to fit in where I'm wanting to move forward. And so I just didn't answer him. I ignored him for a week. I was like avoiding the question. And then my pastor rang me and he goes, hey, North Perth is looking for a Bible worker 24 hours a week. Are you interested? And I was about to text back, no, not enough hours. My family will kill me if I give up a full-time job for half the amount of hours. My grandparents want me to move out. I said I'd be with them for six months. That was in July 2020. We're in April 2022. So I need to get out. (laughs) And so before I could type up that reply, this voice went, stop, wait. Maybe reply to Jason, ask some questions. And so I did. And... um, Yeah, long story short, my fears and every assumption I'd ever made about what the job was going to be like were sort of turned upside down. And next thing I know, I'm calling the boarding house manager, getting sent to voicemail because Jason is already calling the boarding house manager to talk about me. (laughs) So uh, two weeks later, I was able to put in my two weeks notice to Centrelink and then off I went. And it was scary. I... Brad doesn't know this, but I drove through the driveway and it took everything in me not to go and do a U-turn and come back out. (laughs) Be like, what boarding house? Um, But I'm so glad I did. Because the thing is, is while I saw my life going into ministry, the traditional way of going into pastoral ministry, I feel like I've done a lot of ministry to these kids. The little conversations you have, the the answers to the questions that they have. But I was going to say no 
so many times that I feel like God was about to say, because I said so. But it wasn't in because I said so, of be quiet and just do it. But it was because I said so in the trust me, I know what I'm doing. Now, the most famous instance of saying no to God is, of course, Jonah. But I found that I've mentioned him in just about every sermon I've ever done. So we're going to look at somebody else today. (laughs) In this case, we are going to talk about uh, Moses. Now, for those who aren't familiar with the life of Moses, I'll give you a quick recap. He was meant to die as a baby. He was born as a Hebrew. Uh, the Pharaoh wanted all the Hebrew babies to be Hebrew boy babies to be killed because there was just too many of them. And so his mum uh, put him in a basket, put him in the river, and the Pharaoh's daughter found him. The Pharaoh's daughter didn't want to raise him, so she found a nurse in Moses' mother to raise him. He was then returned to the royal family. He then killed an Egyptian Egyptian man who was beating an Israelite slave, so he fled to Midian, where he settled down and had a family, and then the burning bush happened. So if you have your Bibles, can you turn with me to Exodus chapter 3? And when you're there, make a noise. Oh, thank you. Mm, yeah, thank you. Thank you to all the noisemakers. <laughs> it's always awkward when I'm standing here waiting for a noise. Okay. So the burning bush is, is happening and God is essentially telling uh, Moses that he wants him to go to Egypt to free the slaves. And in verse 11 it says, But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Right? That's what he says. Who am I? I'm I'm nobody. If anything, I'm a criminal. I'm going to get to Egypt. They're immediately going to arrest me, and then I'm going to die. So, you know, that's a terrible idea. And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. I will be with you. Now, instead of Moses going, okay, let's go. I'll go get the wife. We will uh, head over to Egypt, we will free these people, and off we go. Instead, in verse 13, Moses says to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what, it is, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? Basically, he's saying, I don't have all the information about you. I don't know you. They're going to ask a bunch of questions. I'm not going to be able to answer them. They're going to call me a fraud and I'm going to be sent back here and your people are still going to be enslaved. What about that? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. So then, you know, you'd think Moses would be like, yep, fair enough. Cool, 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 cool. I will go. Off I go. But then he says in chapter 4, verse 1, what if they don't believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Essentially saying, you know, they're not going to believe that I got their God a message to give to you guys. And then the Lord said, what is it in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hands. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has appeared to them. So essentially he's saying, I got you. I'm here 
We're going to do great things together. I'm not going to leave you alone. And then there's the third excuse. Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you've spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, Who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you to say what you say. Essentially saying, Moses, I'm here. I've created you. I've got this. And then Moses said, please send someone else. And that's when God was like, no, no, no. Off you go. Get out. Because I said so. Moses wasn't quiet long enough to really hear what God was saying, which was essentially, will you please just trust me? He says, you shall, put, you shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and teach you what you will do. When he said that he would also have Aaron with him. God had it all planned out. But Moses was kind of like, I've got to give some sort of excuse. We always have all these sorts of excuses to give when new opportunities come up, when we're being taken out of our comfort zone. What if I fail? And God's sitting there saying, but what if you fly? So after Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt, spoiler alert, he definitely did. uh, They made it to the promised land, but a lot of things went wrong and Moses stuffed up. So he wasn't allowed in the promised land and he died before he could go. But essentially someone still needed to lead them in there. And that's when a man by the name of Joshua was chosen. And Joshua seemed to be a bit more willing than that of Moses. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1 to 9, says, After the death of Moses, the servant, the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert of Lebanon and from the great river of the Euphrates and the Hittites country to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all of your days of your life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to the forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the laws my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it from the right or the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of law depart from your mouth. Meditate it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Now, when you, when you give people instructions, if it's really, really important, what do you do with that really, really important sentence? Apart from yell it. You repeat it. Yeah, you repeat it. So he said, be strong and courageous multiple times. And he's also told Joshua that he will be with him multiple times. And it's interesting that God feels the need to say this because he was there in a pillar of cloud during the day and a pillar of fire at night. He never left the Israelites. But it was probably a good thing considering the job that God was about to ask Joshua to do. Because Joshua was leading Israel and he comes across Jericho. 
And what happens in Jericho is probably the most bizarre war tactics I've ever read about. God is telling Joshua that he, how to defeat them. And they essentially need to march around the city armed for six days. And on the seventh day, march around the city seven times. And then the trumpets will give a loud blast, scream, and the walls will collapse. That's the instructions. No force. No telling them how to use their weapons. Just to walk. Can't walk around something to make it fall for you. There is a pickup line that's like, if I walk around you seven times, will you fall for me? Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert, it doesn't work. Um, I'm just like, why are you walking around me? And I'm like, shh, ignore me. <laughs> uh, not anybody will fall for you and no walls will fall for you. That is how it essentially works. So Joshua's been given these instructions. Now, if God gave me these instructions that I then had to give to a bunch of people who had very little faith and remembering the time or the stories of the Red Sea parting and then a verse later, they're complaining already about lack of food, I would be like, so here's my letter of resignation, God. Thank you for the opportunity. Have fun choosing someone else. I'm just going to sit back and watch these walls fall, okay? But nevertheless, Joshua went and took it to the Israelites. Now, it doesn't actually say how much backlash occurred from them. It doesn't say that they all got up and left. Quite frankly, if I heard that, I'd be like, well, this, I'll, I'll see it when I believe, I'll believe it when I see it. There's none of that. They, they go along with it. And sure enough, the walls fall down. Remember in Joshua chapter 1, God said he will always be with them. We have, we have someone like Gideon, who is supposed to lead this army that's against all odds to defeat their enemies. And in verse 16 of Judges, it said, I will be with you. Then we have, we have Jeremiah, right? This, this guy who is famous for his depression, in college, we had to do a subject called Emotional Processes and Behaviours. And one of our assignments was that we had to find a Bible person who had suffered from mental illness. And it was interesting because we had a lot of uh, people do uh, Saul, who uh, had uh, bipolar, and they think schizophrenia as well. A lot of Job for depression and grief. Uh, I did Judas for addiction. And a lot of Jeremiah's for, for depression. And they, they all said the same thing. But it's interesting because in Jeremiah, let's, if we go to Jeremiah chapter 1, give a noise when you're there. Oh, you beat me. Are you on a phone, Alicia? <laughs> That's cheating. <laughs> We're going to go Jeremiah chapter 1. And we're going to go to verse, we're going to start at verse four. And it says, the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet of the nations. Ah, the sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am only a child. But the Lord said to me, do not say I'm only a child. You must go to everyone I send you to. Say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them for I am with you and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, now I have put words in your mouth. See to the day I appoint you over nations, kingdoms, to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. 
the word of the Lord came to me. What do you see, Jeremiah? It's interesting because there's so many parallels between Moses and Jeremiah. I don't know how to speak, says Jeremiah, so God gives him the words. I'm too young. They won't listen. And God says the same thing that he said to the others. I will be with you. There's always something reassuring about not being alone. Whenever I go to a church, it's not my home church to preach, I like to bring an entourage with me because I don't like to go alone. I'm way too introverted for that. And uh, today I didn't come alone, um, but I thought I was going to be because sometimes like, I'll bring Tanisha and Derek with me, but I forgot to ask this week. And I was like, oh, no, they're not going to be there. It's too late to ask. And then I walk in and see Derek on the drums. So thanks, Mike, for um, answering my prayer. Um, so... <laughs> Well done. Um, but there's always something so reassuring about not being alone in something. When you're a uni student, you go, oh, I haven't done the reading. And about six other people go, me neither. You're like, oh, good. We're all going to be in trouble together. It's just so comforting to not be alone. But then the thing is, is that uh, sometimes you are. Now, I'm not saying God is going to come to you in a burning bush. Most of the time, he calls you to do something through other people. I don't know how your church works with your nominating committee, but nominating committee has to be the most unpopular people once a year or once every two years. I was on the nominating committee last year. I was very popular before I was on the nominating committee. Um, And then I'd walk in and I'd whip out my piece of paper and everyone's like, scatter! Um, It was like turning on a light and all these cockroaches go everywhere. I'm not saying that Livingston people are cockroaches. I just want (laughs) to point that out very clearly. (laughs) But the amount of people that avoid you, um, nominating committees currently happening at my church. I feel really bad because I actually haven't been to Livingston in weeks. And um, they think I'm avoiding them. But then I came across one of them yesterday in Carmel Reception and she found me. So you can't avoid them forever. But it's interesting because when we're in church and we're members of a church, we start to get comfortable. When you first start to go to a church or you first start to become a Christian, it's like, it's like getting in a hot bath, right? You've had a hard life, you're exhausted, and you come across church in the same way you come across a hot bath. Your hot bath is really, really hot to the point where you get in and it's quite uncomfortable with how hot it is, but you enjoy it. You're like, yes, I love this. The heat is getting into you. You're like, yup, got this. And then you fall asleep or you sit in there for a while and you marinate. And then you, you, the water starts to go cold. Now you have two choices. You can turn on the hot tap, make it hot again, and continue there, being on fire, or you can get out. Now, I normally get out. I'm like, this is a good time to leave. It's kind of the same with our Christian walk. We start off, we're all hot, we're all passionate, we're like, yeah, we love God. And we sit there, and when we sit there for too long, and we sit there doing nothing, the water starts to cool, and we start to become lukewarm. And then we have two choices. Do we go and find something outside of our comfort zone that'll make us hot and on, passion, and on fire for God again, finding that passion, or do we get out? Or do we sit stubbornly in the cold? because we used all the hot water. It's interesting because a lot of people choose to either sit in the cold or get out rather than simply turning the hot tap on. 
We ask God to give us a purpose, and he does. We're kind of like, you done? This piece of paper here. And we're like, God, I am ready. Mold me how you want. And we have this picture. We picture he's going to do like this, and he's going to do like this. And like we're essentially like a smaller version of what we were. We're comfortable with that. Like, yeah, that's what he's going to do. And God's like, okay, yeah, you're, you're all blank slate. I'll fold you how I want to fold you. And then he does this. And you're like, uh, what you doing there, God? And he's like, oh, I'm just going to mold you. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be a process. But I promise you, there's a picture in how this is going to look. And you're like, okay, proceed. Are you going to make me into like an origami piece of paper? And he's like, no, no, no. I'm going to fold you a little bit like this. And you're like, ah, I see. I'm a house for people. People, I am, I'm going to be hospitable, invite people into my home, create small groups, house the homeless. That's what I'm going to do. And God's like, no, I'm not done yet. And you're like, oh, I'm the top of the bank west tower in the city. I'm going to be rich. I'm going to be a philanthropist. And God's like, no, no, no. And you're like, uh, what you doing there, God? And he's like, oh, you know, this is a process. You know, When I uh, bring people into my will, I like to take something from them so that they can see their true purpose. With Elijah, he took his misery away, gave him an assistant. And you're like, yeah, okay, proceed, God. And so he's like, yeah, I'm just going to just snip here. And you're like, still the Bankwest Tower. More like, and then you're like, oh. I'm losing some fat. Thanks, God. And then God starts to unfold to see your will. And you're like, ah, I'm an arrow pointing up to God. God's like, sort of, nearly. And then uh, sort of turns you around and shows that what he really wants you to do is to show him and his picture and it's uncomfortable process. You get folded in ways you didn't think you want to. You go and assume that you know his plan, and all the while God's like, just wait, be silent. As humans, we always think that we've got to be on the go. We've always got to be doing something. Otherwise, someone's going to accuse us of being lazy, and in the process, we burn out. But if we just stop and wait... Keep that relationship with him because that's what all those men had in common. They kept an ongoing relationship with him. It is so easy to say no. Send somebody else. I don't want to do it. When the nominating committee comes up with you with that little piece of paper with your name on a bunch of jobs, it's so easy to go, no, no thank you. I don't want to do that. I'm comfortable where I am. Even if it's something of being like a greeter for an introvert, that's like, oh gosh, new people shaking hands, people touching me, no. But you have no idea what that path, where that path is going to take you. you know, that woman that I met on the plane, afterwards we're at the baggage claim and she was with her mum and her brother and she was nearly like crying happy tears and she's like, mum, that, that woman helped me on that plane. I was nearly ready to scream, and she helped me. You have free will. You can say no. But with God's plan, it's, it's always the best. 
We have doors closed on us and we become like a cat scratching at the door to be let in. And God doesn't keep the door closed. He kind of opens it and goes, okay, but you're not going to like it. And we're like, no, 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 let me be the judge of that. And we find that he's right. But when God calls us to do something that we're not entirely comfortable with, that's when we put up the walls and we're like, no. My challenge to you all is to to bring down those walls, to be open to the possibilities, to not make those assumptions, but to be still, to not react the minute God's voice comes to us, to take that time to breathe, to take that time to meditate on his word, because not all calls that come to you may come from God. Some might be to steer you in the wrong direction and they're disguised like that. So my challenge is for you to keep that relationship with God, keep that bath water hot in order to stay with God. Don't become lukewarm because the minute you do, you're more susceptible to leave. Be open to the possibilities of how God is going to change you. Be open to getting out of your comfort zone. That is my challenge to you guys. I just want to pray. Hey God, the Bible is full of people who are uncomfortable, but they all have one thing in common, that you are with them wherever they go. You remind them multiple times. And so Lord, I just pray that as we leave here today, while we wouldn't be necessarily called to save a nation from slavery or to lead a people into a new life, it might be something small, praying for someone out loud or just even talking about you to somebody, I just pray that you open us up to that possibility, that we keep being on fire for you rather than being lukewarm. In your name I pray, amen. Thanks so much, Carlia, for coming and sharing today. That's um, such a good reminder that we, um, when God does go, um, ask us to go out of our comfort zone, he's not expecting us to go by ourselves. So, yeah, thank you so much. All right, um, so we've just got a couple of announcements. Um, on Tuesday night, we have our prayer group here, um, so they still have room for more. So if you'd like to come and join on Tuesday night, 7pm here at the church, they would very much appreciate your company and your prayers. Uh, if you can't join them, you can pray from home for them. Uh, we have soup and buns across in the hall, uh, if you'd like to come and join us now. Um, and just a reminder that we have the Feed It Forward program happening over there. So if you're wondering and you haven't been before, we have all the food along the side. Um, we have members of the community coming to collect that food um, to help them out. Um, things are getting tougher and tougher financially and um, we have this program going where we're able to distribute that food to them. So um, that's what they're doing there and they may come and join us for lunch. So if they do, please... Um, make them feel welcome and get to know them a bit. Um, I've really been enjoying getting to know some of the families because they've been coming back a few times, so getting to know them um, better and better. Um, So, yeah, it's really good if you can do that. So I hope you all have a good week. Thank you for coming today and for contributing to worship, and um, we'll see you next week. Just